Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. Today, we have a ton of stuff to go over. Four wins to talk about. A brand new hire for the coaching staff uh, for football. There is just all kinds of great news for the Kansas Jayhawks coming into this week. And, of course, to help me recap everything and kind of talk about where we're at, uh, it is my deputy editor over at Blue Wings Rising, Kyle Davis. Kyle, how you doing today? I'm uh, I'm looking forward to this one a little bit more than last week. I think we're gonna have a little bit more fun today than we did last time. The weather's not as good, but I'm still I'm still in a pretty good mood. So yeah. wait, 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 wait. You it's, mean it's not as much fun to talk about a close loss on the road in one of the places where the booze rain down the most? When uh, yeah, when the guy who um, who uncharacteristically went like five for six from three, then followed that up with like a one for eight from the field performance against Baylor last night. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was pretty rough, uh, last week, but this week, obviously, tons of great stuff to talk about. We're actually going to start with football, uh, because Kansas has now hired a new cornerbacks, uh, defensive backs coach in, uh, DK McDonald. He was, uh, for five years, he was coaching at the Iowa State Cyclones as their DB coach, um, has most recently been up at the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, coaching their cornerbacks and, and being involved in, uh, on, on the defensive side there. He comes to Kansas as the, again, he, he's, he's just taking over the role for Jordan Peterson. Uh, he is the defensive backs coach and the co, the co-defensive coordinator. Um, I, I kind of looked into a little bit of what he does, but, uh, what, what were your initial thoughts? One, about, about hearing the hire, um, and two, just kind of what he brings to this Kansas coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, I, I haven't like dove in too much, but I've I've looked around a little bit, and the guy has been coaching for a long time, and he's had a lot of success. And I think you know the the fact that you know he won, he went to the Super Bowl last year with the Eagles is going to draw a lot of attention. Um, I think probably what I like the most though is the fact that he knows the Big Twelve, and he had success at Iowa State. Um, you know, they, they had a really, really strong defense while he was there, especially passing defense. And, um, you know, he put out some, I think the other thing is like, you've seen what Jordan P 
Peterson was able to do with like individually fostering talents like Kobe Bryant and Melo Dodson. And, uh, you know, it looks like, you know, McDonald's had some of those guys at Iowa state too, and he's gotten guys into the league and um, had a lot of success. And so, yeah, I think obviously, you know, he, he's been everywhere. Like you book back. I mean, he was from like, you know, William and Mary back in 2011 to Toledo, Iowa state, the Eagles. So like, he's, I think he's got a pretty wide range of, um, uh, of, uh, experience at different places but i think you know i think the combination of knowing the big 12 plus having some of that pro experience and say hey listen i've i've been spent the you know i've been spending the past what uh two seasons or three seasons coaching nfl talent i know what it takes to get there like i think that is a pretty great combination to try and replace a guy who no one wanted to see leave and jordan peterson yeah i mean this is as close to you know a step up as you could possibly get like uh, to be honest, I think it's at least in the conversation of like, is this coaching staff better off with Jordan Peterson or DK McDonald? And obviously you kind of tend to the guy that, you know, was already in place and already doing really well. You don't want to lose and try, but if, if you're going to have to lose a guy to, you know, because he's going to his dream job, this is literally like the perfect replacement, uh, you know, and I talked with some people who, you know, have some, some ears inside the actual program with some of the players and stuff like that. And like, this is the exact, exactly the kind of guy that you, that they wanted you know, to see, um, you know, you worry about because Jordan Peterson was so involved in getting guys like Kobe Bryant to come back, you know, uh, you know, you have like Craig, uh, well, I, I guess Craig, Craig Young's technically a linebacker, but he plays with the safeties quite he a bit. He was in coverage quite a bit. Right, yeah. right. But like OJ Burroughs, you talk about like all the different players and, and Melo Dotson, all the guys that are coming back for this defense. Um, you know, he has that kind of history of developing guys. And that's where Kansas, like Kansas had some decent talent, right? But they've developed guys really, really well on the defensive end of the ball as well. Um, and so having a guy like this who has shown, you know, Brian PV was all big 12. Um, you know, I think he had like five different all big 12 cornerbacks or safeties while he was at Iowa state. So like he has the history. He was even an all American. Right. Yeah. He, oh yeah, he, yeah. 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 Right. Right. PV all American, um, you know, in his seasons there. So, and then you're right. He also has that NFL you know, experience. So he's been on both sides. He can help with not only the, the college stuff, but also, you know, kind of helping guys get to the NFL. Um, I mean, again, I'm, I'm a little hesitant to say it's a step up, but I think at least it's equal. Like, it's not like you're taking a giant step back that a lot of people were worried about with Jordan Peterson leaving. It's like, how do you feel that having a guy like him, like, like McDonald available to step in, um, you know, I, I also, all you need to know, I, I talked to some Iowa state fans, like I know a lot of Iowa State fans really, really well, and they when they heard that McDonald was coming to KU, there was an audible, like a a very across the board, like oh crap, um, because he was so good for them there, and then they lost him to the NFL, and it's like you can't lose, you know, you can't really stop a guy, a really good coach from going to the NFL if that's where they want to go, but the fact that he's coming back to college and going to KU means that this is going to be extremely helpful for the Jayhawks. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, I don't know if it's been made official yet uh, because it kind of broke over the weekend. I'm guessing that they're going to make it official Monday or Tuesday. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do and, you know, kind of hearing after spring ball, uh, you know, kind of what he's brought to this defensive coaching staff. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I love it. I think that that's just continuing to kind of build momentum uh, for football, especially on the backs of, you know, finding out where they're going to be playing home games next year. So, 
I'm just I'm looking forward to football, which is really not something I'm so I, I'm used to saying, you know, early February. Yeah, I think you, you you lost a couple of guys who were key from the last year's coaching staff. And, you know, while and I think you you can say now that things are, are obviously going to be different, but they're not necessarily a step back, you know, both on the offense and the defensive side. Like it's going to look a little different, but I, I think you I, I credit to the coach, like to Leifold in the program. Like I think you did as well as you could have in replacing those guys um, and keeping the core, um, you know, framework in place while also letting them add their their spin to it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you went from the potential of a really big step down, depending on who you replaced them with, to probably at best it's going to be different, but not worse. So, all right, let's go ahead and jump over because I, I want to talk about the more fun. Well, I should say the on court action. Um, before we, well, no, you know what? We're we're going to go ahead and start with uh, the men, Oklahoma State. Let's start with that game because I thought that that was. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's worth talking about both of these games individually, the Cincinnati and the Houston game. So let's start. Or not, not Cincinnati, sorry. The Oklahoma State and the Houston game. Let's start with Oklahoma State. What was the big, obviously Kevin O'Connor being out was like the big storyline, but what was the big takeaway? What was the big, um, I guess, thing that jumped out to you from Kansas playing Oklahoma State? Um, I think some of the things that you saw at Oklahoma State carried over into the Houston game, specifically uh, the defense. Like the defense has just been real very locked in in a way that, you know, we don't always see there. Um, you can get into some lone performances there, but it's interesting because basically the the Oklahoma State game was about um, everyone else. It was it was about the, the bench, basically. It was about Omarco. It was about uh, some of the other guys coming in with no Kevin McCuller, Johnny Furphy, obviously, but he's now kind of <laughs> – he's made his way into the upper echelon of, like, the dudes. And then, and then the Houston game was really about the – the guys who you brought in here to win basketball games, the Hunter Dickinson's and the, um, you know, Kevin McCullers and, and that's sort of KJ, obviously Adams in there. But yeah, the, I think we have to start with the defense because the defense was, you know, stifling in both games. You hold a pair of opponents to, to under 70 points in the big 12 Oklahoma state, like could not get in done anything done. Obviously the Bryce Thompson injury, he hurt his shoulder. He might be out the, I don't think they're saying season injury, but like it's going to be an extended period of time. That is hugely rough for them, and you need more why that went over K State was surprising over the weekend. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, as, was, as Bill Self said, like Bryce Thompson has been a Kansas killer in his time at Oklahoma State. Like he has gone off against the Jayhawks in every single game that they've played, and for them to lose him, you know, five minutes into the game was absolutely just horrible for them. Um, obviously, no no malicious play or anything like that, but I do think it changed the complexion of that game and made it a little bit harder for Oklahoma State to actually try to keep it close. But, you know, the way that Kansas was playing, the way that Furphy was playing, the way that, you know, KJ and Dewan and, and Hunter, like everybody was playing there, and the fact that El Marco came out, you know, with his hair on fire, essentially, um, like I, I think that it was going to be a big tough stretch for Oklahoma State to actually compete in the game and, you know, be pushing for a win. But Bryce Thompson being hurt didn't help. Right. But you saw you saw some things that you saw in both games. You saw um, really hot starts. You saw Harris scoring the ball a little bit early. Um, you saw K, K, K.J. Adams basically doing everything, and we'll get to that more in the Houston game. Uh, obviously, Johnny Furphy's play. But, yeah, this was a uh, – you know, the rebounding dominance on there. there. There was a lot to like about the Oklahoma State game to kind of get ready. And I think the, the thing I like most, and I think I put this either in the Hawking Report or tweeted about it, 
I think the thing that you liked most about the Oklahoma State game was that no player played more than 32 minutes, and you actually got the guy some breather, which is huge because you could tell at the end of the Houston game, like, the, the starters were gassed. And as so, because it's not only just, like, playing, you know, almost a, <clears throat> a full game, which they all did. They all, all starters played at least 33 minutes in that game, but, like, Houston just never lets you take a breath. So um, I thought that was huge to have some of the guys. Like, when you look at there, Marco had 26 minutes against Oklahoma State. Timberlake had 24 you got 10 minutes each from Parker uh, Parker and Jamari. Like, I thought the, it was a really good balanced overall play where it wasn't something where Kevin McCullough was out and one guy just absolutely stepped up. This was something where it, it was a very group team effort of like, okay, next man, man up mentality, everyone's going to do a little bit more. Although, obviously, El Marco was the one who kind of have to talk about um, – stepping up the most in that spot against starting. But yeah, I think it's the defense, it's the hot starts, and it was the bench in that one. Whereas in Houston, we, you know, it was all about the starters. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you, you look at Oklahoma state, like, you know, Hunter having 10 or 11 rebounds, like there wasn't anything in that game. I thought that really jumped out to me as, Hey, this is, um, or I should say with the starters that jumped out to me, as like, they're doing something different, right? It was that they were still able to be successful. And, and look, we joked about it during the game, but I think it is fair to say that, you know, against Iowa State, Kevin McCuller was probably a detriment um, defensively because he couldn't move nearly as well as he needed to. And, and you saw the difference between how he moved against Iowa State and how he moved against Houston. Having that little bit of rest, um, you know, he was all over the place and he was running. And, and I mean, you could tell in warm-ups of the Oklahoma State game before he because because McCuller came out and was warming up against Oklahoma State. Um, he just wasn't able to play. Like it was pretty early in warmups that they figured out that he wasn't going to be able to play. Um, but he was warming up against Houston, and you could tell. Like he was, he was raring to go. He was ready to go. Completely different vibe that you got from him than you know the the prior like two weeks before that because he was dealing with knee and bone bruise and issues and all of that other stuff. But I thought the biggest difference in the game, uh, you know, against Oklahoma State, Nicola, Nick Timberlake. Jamari McDowell, they both played really well off the bench. And you don't need a ton from them, but you do need them to probably put in, you know, five to five to seven minutes with decent productive play. And, um, you know, like you need them to do a couple things. And and, and they did those. Um, you know, you had a decent amount of rebounds from tape from Timberlake. You had, you know, he had a couple steals. Two you had, steals. Yep. Yeah, you had Jamari McDowell getting, you know, six points. He had three rebounds and assist and a block. Like they each had a really good role in the amount of time that they had. Um, you know, I, I guess Timberlake had a little bit more, obviously, than the five to ten minutes that you would normally expect just because, again, McCuller wasn't available, so he was kind of the first guy off the bench, um, or at least the first guard off the bench. But, you know, Kansas getting um, getting all of the <laughs> all of the walk-ons in, you know, Jankovic coming in with, like, you know, before the four-minute, the under-four-minute timeout. Um, and then he was able to hit a three. Like, I, I think that was exactly what you needed, like you said, to get guys some rest. Um, but it was just, I think it was great to see the bench finally have a good game. Yes, it was against Oklahoma State, um, but they needed one. No matter how they got it, they needed to have a good bench game to give them kind of the confidence that if they need the bench to step up in big minutes later, they've done it before. They're not just, you know, theoretically able to do it. And I think you're seeing a, a trend here with the defense that I know we'll talk about more too. But this uh, 
this team is really embracing the no easy baskets uh, uh, mentality here. Like they're, they are absolutely shutting down inside the arc. And if you're going to beat them, you better be hot from three. Because if you, especially this week, Oklahoma State shot 31% on two-point attempts. Houston shot 40%. Even if you go back to Iowa State game, Iowa State shot 45%. They also just happened to shoot 47% from three. Uh, like, you know, meanwhile, Kansas is among the best two-point shoot offense teams in terms of shooting efficiency in the country at 57%. So you are basically taking it to where and the rebounding, obviously, I know we're going to talk about the rebounding, but the fact that you are basically making it really, really hard on on opponents to get shots inside. Like, there's no easy layups. They're taking, especially with Houston, there, there was a lot of mid-range jumpers that were heavily guarded, kind of, you know, like um, off one foot type of thing. The, the defense here, especially the, you know, the paint, but even outside if you extended about 15 feet, has been really, really good of late. I think part of that is due to Johnny Furphy. And I know we'll talk about him, but his defense shuffling his feet. You saw this in the Houston game where he just wasn't letting get people getting a good angle to the basket. He was cut, you know, how you teach him, like I coach second graders, you teach him to drive them to that, 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 um, baseline spot where there's just nothing going to happen. You know, you're, you're, you basically draw a triangle on the court and say drive them there. Johnny Furphy's getting a lot better at that. And I think that's, um, something that is going to be a huge advantage because obviously in a one game sample size threes could be an outlier and that's what we've seen but if you want to have sustained success over the period of a couple of months and give yourself a best chance to win don't give up easy buckets you can watch kentucky and other teams playing just kentucky's defense is kind of like a matador right now like i think that's what i've been most impressed with from kansas from Everybody, the guards, obviously, the the big guys, KJ being able to guard anyone, is that, man, life just looks really, really hard trying to get a shot inside the arc against KU right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been, I'm going to be honest, it's been probably as ridiculous as I've ever seen it, uh, the way that this team has been playing interior defense. And, um, you know, Kansas usually has some pretty good interior defense, but they don't have a shot blocker like when you had, you know, Jeff Withy or when you had... Uh, um, you know, Embiid or, or any of the other players that have just been complete shut down guys in the middle. I mean, even even McCormick was that to a degree in, in the 2022 season. You don't really have that. Like, Hunter is not a guy that goes and blocks shots like crazy. Um, you know, he is much more a positional guy that's going to affect a shot as opposed to stop you from shooting. Um, and so I think that's kind of a different way that Kansas plays it. And, of course, it, it you know, we'll talk about Houston here in a minute, but uh, – you know, it, it, it played or it plays completely into the way that Kansas likes to play. Um, that Houston is a high volume shooting team that just doesn't actually make a ton. They just get to take so many different shots. Um, I mean, yeah, we, we got to jump into it now. The, the rebounding for the Jayhawks has been fantastic the last two games. Um, you know, they, they, they out rebounded Oklahoma State by 11, which isn't necessarily that surprising. Um, and then they out rebounded. Uh, they out rebounded Houston by fourteen, um, which a little bit of that was shooting. Like Kansas was shooting so well, so it was hard for Houston to get defensive rebounds. Um, but I actually was talking about this like right after the game. The fact that Kansas was able to uh, limit the offensive rebounds for Houston was a huge deal, and they were able to do the same thing against uh, Oklahoma State, although not quite to the same degree. Oklahoma State had nine offensive rebounds, but Kansas kept them from getting a lot of second chance points, whereas. Houston just didn't have very many offensive rebounds. 
um, which was a huge boon to the Jayhawks there. So I, I think, like you said, Kansas has really done their best work on the interior because that's where most teams can actually hurt them and they, where they can have the biggest impact. Um, you know, three-point shooting, Kansas has been extremely unlucky with some of the three-point shooting from some of their opponents this year. But that's also kind of just the nature of the way that three-point shooting is. The only way that you can affect a three-point shooter typically is by just not letting him have it completely wide open. Um, You know, short of either blocking it or (laughs) leaving it completely wide open, pretty much anything else you're going to do, they're either going to make it or not, and there's not much you can do to stop them. So um, I I I just think that Kansas has done a really good job defensively. And, um, you know, going into the game – well, going into the Oklahoma State game, Kansas Kansas defense was not rated very well, um, or I should say, rated very well for what we're used to seeing. You know, we're used to Kansas having like a top fifteen, top ten defense and offense. This year, they've they've kind of struggled um, with that. You know, they had, I believe, coming into the game, they were like the twenty, yeah, they were like the twenty eighth offense and the twenty sixth defense or something like that. There was comments about how you know, national title contenders have to have you know at least one of them in the top. 15 and then the other one in probably the top 20. Um, you look at Ken Palm right now, number 17 on offense, number 19 on defense. Um, and a huge amount of that has to do with the Houston game because, um, you know, they jumped up a ton after the Houston game. So I, I just thought that the way that they've played is, it was just absolutely fantastic. It's absolutely perfect um, against Oklahoma State. And then to follow that up with a game like they had against Houston was just, it's just kiss. <laughs> And that's why you bring in Hunter Dickinson into the game because you're into the into the program because that's what you've seen. You've seen kind of Kansas lack this on certain times that you're right. He's not a, a great defensive presence, but like you need. And this has been actually a, a theme I think we've seen around college basketball. You look at Purdue and doing four one out with, with Zach Eady. You've seen that with UConn and, and Klingon. Like I, the what Hunter Dickinson was able to do and having the presence. Cause again, Houston does not have that kind of post presence. They are only guard oriented and they, and they, you know, they are like, they, Houston is basically what Kansas looked like with KJ Adams at the five last year, right? That, and, and there's some times when it really works and there's some times when it really doesn't. And you can see the way that everything can build around Hunter in the middle and what they're able to do both offensively and defensively. Like it's, it's just really hard for teams when you have that presence in there. And especially when you have a guy like KJ to compliment them. And so I thought this week, especially like looking back at the last two games, I think the the recurring thought in my mind is this is why Bill Self brings in Hunter Dickinson. Like, you know, you don't, you don't need two of them anymore um, who are just back to the basket players kind of guy. You you need that KJ Adams at the four or, or a stretch or something, but that is something that I think, um, his value and the way that you can scheme and style with a big man like that is, is why he is so incredibly valuable and why every single team wanted him in the off season. Uh, and it's really paid off this week. Yeah. I mean, and the way that the game is trended, there's no longer, you know, two big men that are down in the post. Like you're not playing. Uh, it's, it's very much more fluid. Like if you're going to have two, two big men that like to play down the post, they both need to be able to kind of stretch the floor and be able to, you know, be like Hunter, where where you're not afraid to jump up or to step up and shoot a three um, on on your way down the floor or anything like that. So um, I do think that that worked out really well. But you know, we haven't even well before we before we jump over to the offensive side of the ball because I think there's a ton to talk about against Houston offensively. 
Um, or maybe not. Maybe it's really, you know, it boils down to one simple point and we can kind of talk from there. But, but before we do that, I did want to talk about, and cause I, I kind of talked about this a little bit during the actual game. Um, obviously KJ Adams passing was, was phenomenal. And he started out the game. I believe he had five assists in the first like four minutes of the game. It was something ridiculous like that. Um, but I just thought the way that Kansas passed the ball was, Probably the highlight. I mean, and, 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 you know, Houston has been a very good team at bringing extra pressure, trapping, making it difficult for guys to kind of dribble out where they need to go. Um, you know, they, they, they do a really good job off of ball screens, keeping the ball handler from, from being able to actually get into something. But what they haven't been able to do is keep guys, well, they haven't run up against anybody who can pass as well as the Jayhawks. And we saw that Kansas routinely had five or six passes on each offensive possession, just whipping the ball all over the court. I can't count the number of, you know, cross court passes. There were Hunter Dickinson. I I saw at least, you know, three like behind his back, like whipping it with a hook to a guy in the corner for a wide open three Kansas shot 69% on the night, but it wasn't because they were just unbelievably hot. It's because they got so many open shots, like wide open shots. Um, like even to the point, you know, Kansas made their first or eight of their first nine shots. The one they missed was a wide open Hunter Dickinson bunny where you could tell looking like he looked around and was shocked that there was nobody within six feet of him. Um, and so he like double clutched it, but then got it right back and put it right back up for, for a lay in. So, um, the fact that Kansas was passing so well, just completely like that's the blueprint to be able to beat Houston is you have to make them pay for how aggressive they are in defense. Yeah. And they made them pay in a couple of ways. And then one of them is, is going with the Hunter Dickinson spot and why he is so valuable is because of his passing. And so if, I mean, everyone watched the game, Houston's calling card is to swarm with a hard double team in the post. And their hope is that they are speeding up these post guys who are not used to having the ball in their hands so much that they either throw it away or they do a lazy pass. And then the weak side help guy, you know, for Houston comes down and and tries to take it away. Uh, It's I see credit to CJ Moore at the athletic. I did see, I saw he was at the game wrote about it. He uh, had this nugget that I thought was fascinating. So the Jayhawks are shooting 68. They have a 68.3 effective field goal percentage this season on shots that came from a double team on Hunter Dickinson in the post. So basically, if you double team Hunter Dickinson in the post, Kansas shoots the ball 80 at, at a 68 percent. That's clip. crazy. And and and, the, and that's part of it is because you know the, the cross court passes. You're right. The one arm kind of whips, and then you go with KJ. Not only is KJ an excellent passer. You notice that KJ brought the ball up a couple times early in the game and is basically tearing. Um, I, I don't know if it was Roberts or Francis. I think it was. I think it was probably Roberts on him early and not it Francis. Was, yeah. and Francis was on Dickinson. Like basically, like all right, like what are you going to do about this? Because the same thing happens. Uh, Houston, the other time that they're really aggressive on the double is in the pick and roll. So what they hope to do is that basically like to swarm that when they're coming off that pick and roll, they are just going to swarm and double team you to the fact that like, if you try and and get it to the the roll man, they're either going to, you know, like kick it, it's going to be deflected or they're going to get a hand on it, or you're going to throw it away, whatever that is. They're the, obviously the guards are excellent passers as well, but like Adams and Hunter are so good in those types of situations that you are leaving someone open every time you do it. And yeah, you're right. 
it's part of it is uh, a hot shooting. I'd be to your point, like Johnny Furphy, when he's wide open in the bot in the backside corner, because they double team, like, what do you expect? And I saw something, uh, one of the, the national guys was like, I, I keep expecting Kansas to regress in their efficiency and shooting. It's like, well, when you looked at it at the time, they were, they had, they were five or six on layups and three on three on three for three on dunks. When you're shooting it at the rim like that, yeah. uncontested, because Houston doesn't have a big man, what do you expect? And I thought that was the other part too, whether it was um, Johnny Furphy and Kevin McCullough cutting back door, using the aggressiveness to their advantage. Because again, Houston wants to get out in the passing lanes. And when you do that, you get overly aggressive and you reach high, which means it's wide open on the back. And especially if you're spending so much attention on Hunter Dickinson there, there were tons of of not only driving lanes and cutting lanes and, and Kansas is one of the teams where a lesser team doesn't have the passing ability to take advantage of that. Kansas absolutely can. And you, you saw, you know, the, the Johnny Furphy one-handed dunk came on a great, you know, back door when his guy was cheating too high. Um, you even saw it with the offensive rebounding, you know, Houston was so aggressive out there that they let guys like Marco Jackson come sky from the baseline or Kevin McCullough, the, the, the basically the sealer of the game was him coming in and, and flushing home a miss, uh, you know, with 30 seconds left or whatever it was. And so you're right. It's the passing. It's, it's the bigs being able to say, Hey, KJ Adams is going to bring the ball up and he's going to pass it and he's going to dunk. And like, you have to literally be on him every single uh, inch of the floor to great double team Hunter Dickinson, but he's an excellent passer and, and Kansas shoots this well without him. And then knowing, okay, you're going to, you're going to press high. Well, You've got guys like Johnny Furphy and McCullough who know excellent lanes to go into, and they just like their positioning isn't like that's one of the things from Johnny. I think from the start, it's like he just knows where to be and and when to go. And and this team has such they sometimes are not on the same page and they throw in the stands, but most of the time they are on the same page, and and that's why you can kind of forgive the turnovers a little bit because um, even early it, it seemed like the turnovers were from. A hesitation to try and do an extra pass instead of just being aggressive. You know, KJ had that one where he should have just done the floater from about eight feet and said he tried to pass it to Hunter, but Hunter wasn't looking. Uh, El Marco had one of those where he should have just shot the ball and instead they don't. So, yes, those are frustrating, especially when they happen all year. But you also see the result of that of that mindset is what you saw in the first 10 minutes of the game as well. Well, right. I mean, Kansas was hunting for assists in this game. And, I mean, that, that was the game plan. Bill Self talked about it afterwards. It's like, Houston's aggressive. You want to use it against them. You want to make that extra pass so that way they don't have the positioning they need to, you know, affect your shot. Um, he also has said earlier in the year that, like, you know, especially talking about DeWan, like, where you expect guys to get assists, you're also expecting more turnovers. And Kansas goes hunting for assists like they did in this game because it, you know, made all of their shots completely wide open. Um, they're going to have more turnovers. And you, like you said, you can live with that when it's leading to such good shots and such – um, you know, when, when you're having such a good shooting night, it doesn't matter that you turn it over 18 times because you're not, you know, they're not getting the ball back on 30 defensive rebounds. Like they're getting 18 turnovers and, you know, 10 defensive rebounds or something like that. Like you, you basically cut out or you shifted what would have been defensive rebounds over to turnovers, uh, to, for them to get the ball back. And, and so like, I, I'm not that worried about it. Like you said, um, you know, yes, this is a team that does have a turnover problem a decent amount of the time, but this was not a good example of the turnover issues for them because, again, they were just they were just so effective. Um, it was man, it was so it was so ridiculous to watch. Um, 
I did. I did again bench points here in this one. Yeah, they only had seven bench points, but hey, guess who they came from? Parker Brown um, had two huge free throws, and he was excellent. Yeah, Kevin uh, Kel- Kelvin Sampson was talking afterwards, and he was like, "Look, you know, I mean, like his his exact quote was." We're used to having the doubters and the critics outside of our huddle, but when they're in the huddle, that's when you get into trouble. And he was specifically talking about the moment that Parker Brown came in. You know, they had just gotten the lead, I think, down to ten. Brown comes in and hits that three pointer from the top of the key, and at that point, Houston was just like, "Uh oh, this is like, there's, I, I don't know what we do here." And he he talked about how that visibly and you know notably just affected the way that the team played. So, um, you know, it was it was an absolutely fantastic vintage moment for, for Parker Brown. It gave me, it gave me a lot of uh, flashbacks to the way that, uh, that his brother would, would make a bunch of plays here for the Jayhawks. And so great to see another Brown having, having a good, uh, a good performance against the, you know, for, for the Jayhawks. Yeah. And it was one of those things where it, it, cause Houston is a team where, and you knew this, like even up by 15 and a half time. Like Houston does not go away. They're not just going to roll over. And I think even you mentioned the Kelvin Sampson quote. I thought he had a couple of really good quotes in there. And he even, he was not happy with his team's performance, but he even said, I think that, you know, like against the lesser team, that the, the, the way that Kansas played, they should have won by 30. And like he was right. proud of his as, guys as for getting in that. This was a night that was about the tradition of Kansas basketball and how well they play in this building. Like that's, that's what it was about. Like no matter what they did, they were going to have a hard time when Kansas plays like that. You're going to have a hard time winning the game. Right. And, and so, but, and you know, this that Houston, again, with their aggressive style, like they do, they don't quit. They don't roll over. It's not like the Oklahoma state when you get up 15 and you're kind of, you can coast from there. And so I thought the the most impressive thing as a whole was that every single time Houston would land a punch, Kansas immediately had an answer. <clears throat> like I was looking back through the, the play-by-play, and then you even think, like, especially in the second half, okay, they they get a couple threes off off two KU turnovers, and it go, the lead goes from 19 to 13. Then next possession, uh, Amarco finds KJ for an alley-oop. After that, they get a shot clock violation on Houston, and then Dickinson down low, get it back up to 20. Again, four straight points uh, from Houston, and then Amarco does that beautiful – skying up for the offensive rebound, dribble, turnaround, baseline, kind of jumper in the air, hits it again. Like, you know, LJ Cryer, tip of the head cap for him. He went absolutely nuclear in the second half um, and was there basically, again, he's solo. He had a 7-0 run on his own midway through the half. He again cut it to 12. Johnny Furphy immediately nailed a three and did it. Then this was the stretch, I think, that you were talking about. So basically, uh, Cryer hits a three. It goes from 15 to 12. Next possession, Furphy hits a three, back to 15. So Cryer's like, okay, I'm going to try this again. Hit another three on the next possession. Gets it back down to 12. That was the Parker Brown uh, yep. three from the top of the key. Go back to 13. Then he went another th- uh, three and another basket to go uh, again down to 10. And then Parker Brown got fouled, made both free throws. And then right after that was the Dickinson spin move where he got it back up to 14. So there was an answer every single time. I think that was the, you know, that – it got down to 11 late in the game. Adams cutting McCuller, uh, reverse layup. Air ball from, from Houston on the next end on a really forced shot. Good rebound. And then, again, uh, you know, Dickinson missed it at the end of the shot clock, and then McCuller went in and, and got the rebound in the flush. So, like, every time Cryer, and it was basically Cryer, single-handedly tried to, to to will Houston back into it, 
it was a different Jayhawk. It was Furphy, and then it was Brown, and then right. it was Dickinson, and it was Adams. Like it was a different guy every single time. And I think that's the I think that's the thing you have to be most excited and happy about watching that game. Yeah, yeah. And we're late for breaks, though. The one last one last thing here, really quick. Um, I, I know you were just looking at the play by play, but I, I I doubt you actually saw this. Do you know the last time in the game that Houston had the lead less than ten points? Ooh, that's a good question. I yeah, because you're right. I'm not. I'm so I'm not. I'm not going to look at it. So I think yeah. it was it was in the middle of that that crier run where he was just going nuts, which felt like maybe it was at like seven or eight minutes. Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to do it in my mind of like because I remember there was a time when Dickinson went out. Obviously, Brown got those minutes, and I was trying to think. Okay, they're trying to get him to around the four minute time or the four minute mark if they can, or a little bit above it. So I, I'm going to say like seven minutes, eight minutes. To go in the game? Yeah. No. no. Oh, wait. You said under 10, not 10. Under they 10. they got it to yep. 10. Right. So then I'm, okay. No, no, I'm right. I'm going back up then. Oh, that was probably, was that first half? Was that like, was, it was that? Uh, it was 9.30 left in, for, in, in the first half. Wow. See, that's the thing. It's like, yeah. Like, yeah. like Kansas, Kansas took the lead 26 to 15 with, I believe it was like 8.47 in the first half. Um, and then they led by double digits the rest of the way. And that was, I think, the difference in this game. We are so used to seeing a Kansas team that jets out to a big lead, and then they relax a little bit. The team kind of makes some adjustments, and Kansas doesn't adjust as quick to keep that pressure on. Against oh, Houston, that's everywhere in college basketball. Right, no right. one hails on Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's, yeah. I mean, that's, that's fairly normal. You jump out to a big lead early, the other team adjusts, they kind of claw it back, and then you either make your further adjustments and push way out like Kansas just never Houston never got back within double within double digits uh, which I was waiting for it like I kept expecting it to happen and the fact that they took a double digit lead for the last time um you know at 8:47 in the first half like ridiculous. it was yeah it's it's ridiculous that Houston was not able to claw it any closer the rest of the night so all right uh I do want to jump over and talk about the women and then also kind of talk about the state of this big 12 and and Kansas State coming up and all that stuff but before we do that I need to throw to a quick break we'll be right back on the rock Chalk podcast it is Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we're back. I am here with Kyle Davis. Uh, we are, of course, talking about all of the fantastic stuff that happened this week uh, for the Jayhawks. Just got done talking about the men. So before we look ahead, um, the women, though, had two really big games for them as well. Um you know, on Wednesday, they hosted BYU. Tiana Jackson had a career night, uh, getting 22 rebounds, the most she's ever had uh, to go along with her 25 points. Um, and Kansas just demolished BYU. Um, it wasn't even like it was, it wasn't close. Kansas was doing pretty much whatever they wanted. And, um, you know, BYU there, they had a, a big, uh, a post player who got four fouls after like seven minutes of game time. Like she, she had, she struggled all night long. I think she only had like 11 minutes in the entire game because she was in foul trouble the entire time. Um, but it was great to see, um, you know, Tiana Jackson just completely go off and dominate a game. And then, you know, they go on the road against TCU. And unfortunately I wasn't able to actually watch this game live because I was traveling back from being at the Houston game. Um, you know, uh, I, I did see it was a back and forth affair for a while. Tyana Jackson got into foul trouble in that game, which is usually when Kansas goes on the road and then gets beat because they don't have Jackson in there. They were still able to pull it out. They even had a nice run at the end of the game to kind of pull away. Um, I, I think they were down by two and then they went on like a seven Oh run to end the game. So the fact that they were able to kind of pull that out and get their first road win in conference, I think is a big deal for this team, but Looking at those two games, anything jump out to you on, about that, or you know, which which one of those two games do you think was a bigger deal for the Jayhawks? Uh, I, I I think the road win, right, TCU. Like obviously the BYU one was great, and um, you know, it got a little batty at times. Um, and if you've followed uh, anything on on Twitter around that, yeah. you had a you had a front row seat to that one. I oh man, that one it literally came within like two feet of my face. It was it was ridiculous. <laughs> You were so close to getting superpowers. And I know, man. Nothing. Well, it wasn't radioactive, so. Uh, okay, that's fair. But, yeah, so I think I the Fort Worth, you know, going down to Fort Worth winning, uh, Samaya Nichols, her fourth 20-point game of the season. I mean, as a freshman, I, any season, if you get you can score in 20 points four times, that's that's a pretty good year. But, like, as a freshman coming in, um, it was good to see Holly get back and knock down uh, – I think she had four threes, uh, if it was that, you know, coming back. And so, yeah, I think, um, while obviously it's always fun, as we know, uh, from the men's side to, to just go good old fashioned beat down at home, I think going out and, and winning a very close back and forth game on the road, which is again, Kansas has been in a lot of games, close games down the stretch. And how do you finish and how do you execute? And especially in a tough environment, I, that's why I think the TCU game stuck out to me the most. Yeah, well, and I think the bigger the bigger deal I think is is getting Kurz gear going because she had been struggling. Um, you know, I think there was a three game stretch where she had like four shots and had hadn't made a single one. Um, so you know, she had been struggling getting her back offensively to be able to kind of contribute. Um, but I think the fact that you had like two back to back games, right? You had a, a game where Tyana Jackson really kind of showed what she's able to do. And then the next, the very next game, Holly Kurzgeter showed, uh, you know, reminded everybody what she's able to do. And so this has unfortunately just been a season for the Jayhawks where they haven't been able to put everything together in the same game for quite a while. Um, they were doing that early, but unfortunately things have kind of just gotten away from them a little bit. It was a huge road win for them. I, I do agree. I think that the, the TCU game is probably more important for the long term because one, we know that they're a good team at home. They can pretty much beat anybody at home. 
um, you know, beating Baylor kind of showed that what they what they hadn't done yet was one win a road game in conference play, but two kind of show that you know Holly Kurzgeter was ready to go for the end of this season. Um, I mean, we're you know roughly halfway through. Actually, I think we're a little bit more than halfway through on the women's side. Uh, the yeah, the men's side we're halfway through. The women's side we have I think five or six games left, something like that. Um, maybe a little bit more than that, but still. The Jayhawks are setting themselves up to be right in the middle of the pack for the Big 12 tournament. They may need to win the Big 12 tournament to get the, to the NCAA tournament just because of some of the losses that they've had, and they don't really have a marquee non-conference win unless you consider Nebraska to be that. Um, but, you know, this is a team, I think, that is finally rounding into form, finally getting everything kind of to pull together, um, and so I'm excited to see what they're able to do this week they do have a uh, a pretty big game coming up if i remember correctly i'm trying to remember which ones they have they don't have a uh the next uh sunflower showdown for them doesn't come up for a little while but let me look at uh i had it pulled up and then of course stuff changed and or stuff closed they get they get houston next that's right houston on thursday so on thursday they get they host houston at home a team that is also 12 and 10 uh but only three and eight in the big 12 um, so Kansas is looking forward to being able to do that. And I am, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to see what they're able to do. They, uh, they don't play next Saturday, um, which is a little strange to not have a game on a Saturday, but, um, yeah, so they play next Thursday and then they, the next game after that is Wednesday, uh, of the following week on the 14th against Cincinnati. So they get to play on Valentine's day against Cincinnati. That'll be fun. And you get, yeah. Well, you get you get you have three games here before you. So you have a, a stretch here before you have to go Baylor, K State back to back. So you have to win these. You would really like to win these three games, especially. I, your I think opponents it's fair are. to say if you're trying, if, if you're going to make the NCAA tournament, you have to win all three of these without without yeah. winning the big the Big Twelve tournament. Right. So yeah, this is a big stretch coming up here against all of these games are winnable. You but you got to take care of business and get each of these three. Yep. So that would be Houston coming up this week, then Cincinnati after that. And then going on the road for the uh, rematch against BYU, um, then they get to go down to Baylor and hope that Baylor does not take revenge on them. Baylor's been struggling a little bit recently, so um, there's a decent chance they're going to be they're going to have that. One oh yeah, oh yeah, they'll, they'll be very upset. They'll be uh, extremely pissed off. And then uh, and then it's you know Sunflower Showdown in Lawrence, so that'll be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, we are coming up towards the end of the season for the women. Uh, lots of fun stuff that we are looking forward to. Um, just like all the fun stuff that you get to look forward to with our sponsor here on the podcast, the Charlie Hustle Clothing Company. Charlie Hustle is a vintage clothing company that specializes in both collegiate and game day apparel. They have all kinds of different stuff, uh, 30 plus schools in the NCAA. They also have a bunch of professional stuff. They are based here, right, right here in Kansas City, um, and have some of the best stuff and want you to be the best dressed fan this season. I love the collections that they have. They have a ton of great stuff from a bunch of different schools. Um, you know, they have a uh, they have Colorado for the the new schools coming in. They don't have Cincinnati yet for whatever reason, uh, but they are actively working to try to have all of the Big Twelve schools by the end of next year. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing what other kind of stuff they have. But they've been putting out tons of great Kansas stuff. The the new Kansas shirts that they just put out for the men's basketball. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hearing rumors that there might be some women's merch coming out pretty soon that, uh, that you might like, but, uh, but really, I mean, the, the basketball stuff works for both men and women. So, um, but if you go over to charliehustle.com, use promo code 101215, that's T E N one, two, one, five, you can get 15% off of all non-sale items. Uh, that's not a one-time code. That's a, whenever you go to order, 
go get that discount on those on those uh, non-sale items. Uh, again, 10, 12, 15 gets you 15% off of all non-sale items. Charlie Hustle, vintage, made fresh. All right, so coming up this week, um, you know, obviously we, we already talked about the women's side. On the men's side, you know, day this, this podcast comes out or whenever you're probably listening to it, because you're probably listening to it on Monday morning, Kansas going to Manhattan to take on Kansas State. And I was a little worried about this game on the short rest. Um, but then I looked at what Kansas State has done recently. And, like, are you are you worried about a four-game losing streak spurring Kansas State to actually do something against the Jayhawks? Or is this more of a, this team's falling apart right now. We don't really, I mean, you always worry about going to Manhattan just because it's a rivalry game. But you don't really have to worry about yeah, this I'd, one, like, talent-wise. I, well, I, yeah, I don't, we're, we're about to find out because this is one of those, like, it feels like K-State is, their back's against the wall. And this is where we're going to find out whether they're going to try and fight their way out of it or, like, just lay down. Because you know that the environment's going to be nuts. It's going to be the loudest one. You know, the, 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 the reason that K-State gets love in terms of its home field atmosphere is because of this game. It's not because of when Oklahoma State comes to town or they it's host literally West Virginia. just this game. It's literally just because of this game. So you know that it's going to be big. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, I, I am fascinated with them to see what happens with when they face some adversity if Kansas comes out to a hot start. Because we talked about Houston. Like, Houston is a never-quit, intense all the time, will always fight back. K-State turns the ball over a lot, and they are not the most – like, Tyler Perry's a very good player. He is not the uh, most efficient and high percentage with his shot. Like, they, they do a lot of what most coaches would probably be like, no, 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 okay, it went in, yes, shots. Like, there's a lot of off-balance, mid-range jumpers kind of forcing things up there. Um, and and so I don't I, – I don't know what to expect. I don't know that they are going to – be able to score enough to stay with Kansas. And if you, you, that's the big thing is that Kansas can't beat itself. Like you can't turn it over 18 times against this team uh, and give them a bunch and give the crowd a reason to go into it. If Kansas, the fear for Kansas, when you're talking about like, you know, are you worried about a team with a four game? I, I'm more worried about like how, how is Kansas feeling on 48 hours of rest after right. a grueling, game against Houston. Like that's why like when you look at the schedule, like, man, they did them kind of dirty putting just an absolute fist fight boxing match on a Saturday at three o'clock. And then two days later you have to go to to go to Manhattan, Manhattan so. for another fist fight boxing match because Exactly. Or, you, so know, that, you know, WWE like uh, you know so, Raw, yeah, 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 Raw, whatever. Yeah. Chair so and all I, everything. <laughs> it's interesting. Ever since the like the, ever since the uh accusations of cheating and spying on Iowa State, things have just fallen apart. And it's not just a four-game losing streak. It's that they went down to Houston and it was never close. Then they hosted Oklahoma and got 20-balled. And then the Oklahoma State game on the road, you're like, okay, well, it's still still water. But like Bryce Thompson, that's 15 points a game. Who He, he wasn't playing. And, and right. you know, again, it's just I don't know if Kansas State can score enough to win this game. Now, if it is, it's going to be Kansas shooting themselves in the foot and being exhausted because of um, because of the the quick turnaround and all that. But like K State's offense is twelfth in the Big Twelve during 
play. And they're only they're turning it over 23% of the time. They don't grab many offensive rebounds, and they haven't been great from three. I know I'm going to regret uh, uttering that one. But, like, the defense has been pretty good for K-State, but it's not Houston. Um, they don't press like Houston presses. Uh, and so, yeah, it's – I guess I'm always a little worried just because weird stuff can happen in Manhattan. And, again, the turnaround, but, like – and, and you know, like I, if like Kevin bangs knees, you know, four minutes into the game, and then has to sit out. I, I hope this is one where El Marco and Nick can can get some things going. And the nice thing is, then you get through this, and then you have an extended rest before Baylor comes to town because this is a really big stretch. You can't lose all of the momentum, right? And everything that went your way in the Big Twelve standings over the weekend with Iowa State losing. Uh, with Texas Tech losing, now Houston and Kansas are tied in the, for the the Big Twelve a half game lead. Like you can't lose all of that and give a down opponent a reason to to get hope again. Like you need to put the nail in K State's coffin for this season. Yeah, it's right fun, now they're they're on the outside looking in. It's and, funny yeah. how just a week ago, right? We were talking about oh man, K State's in the middle of the pack in the or Kansas in the middle of the pack in the Big Twelve, like. This might be the year where they four and one. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah, you're right. That was oh, – gosh. Um, but, like, well, I'm talking about even, like, after the Iowa State game last week, right? Everyone was like, man, KU is is struggling and, you know, they're in the middle of the pack and, like, this might be the year where they don't, you know, make that run to the Big 12. And, oh, hey, guess what? They're tied for first in, in the Big 12. It only, it only took a week um, with two gigantic wins. So, um, you know, looking at this game, though, against K-State, like, K-State has been successful this season – when their defense has created offense, um, you know, they, they average over the course of the entire season, they average uh, about 10 and a half points a game on fast breaks. Um, the difference in this game, or I'm sorry, the difference recently is that in the last five games, they've only averaged six. Um, they have had a huge, like they haven't been getting as many turnovers. They haven't really been doing defensively what they typically will do against teams and that's been the real problem for them um i don't i don't think it's anything to do like they have been a team all year long right that that uh you know they are a team that takes a ton of three-pointers um you know they, they shoot 42 percent of their shots are three-pointers but they they're really bad at them they only shoot 31 percent as, as a team so it's it's because they're not it's not high efficiency right, shots it's not right. what you saw from kansas last week where it's there's tons the of times right there's tons of uh yeah. there's tons of desperation threes but like basically it comes down to if they can't get the first look that they want they go immediately to the three um and so it's not been great looks for them you're right but because typically they're able to take their defense and turn that into offense, and that's when they have success. So Kansas Kansas just needs to make sure, like you said, that they don't shoot themselves in the foot, that they don't make it easy for Kansas State um, defensively to do what they want to do and turn that into points. Um, as long as Kansas can, you know, limit their turnovers and, you know, continue to turn. I mean, because you want to talk about a team that turns the ball over. Like, Kansas turns it over a bunch. K-State turns it over a ridiculous amount like almost a quarter of their possession or over, over 20% of their possessions. Um, it's just, it's, it's horrible. Um, and so Kansas can take really big advantage of that here. Um, this is like the game. I would not have thought if you look in this stretch, that this was the game that Kansas like, if you lose this one, you can't really afford to lose it because of all the other stuff that's coming up. Like I would have thought, Hey, you might have, you know, you could potentially lose this one because you've just had a dog fight against Houston and be okay. Especially with the win against Houston. 
you know, because you've got like a Texas Tech on the road, and you've got like a Texas that's kind of fallen down, and you know, Oklahoma's good, but they're not, they're not that like you thought that maybe this was a game that rivalry wise you could have afforded to lose because it's just a weird game. I don't think you can anymore. Like this is a game that if you want to, if you want to win the Big Twelve, if you want to set yourself up for a number one or a number two seed, that you have to have this game. Um, like you cannot afford to lose to a seventy-five, uh, the seventy-fifth team in Ken Palm, um, when there's so many other tough games out there. Because I'm not convinced that Kansas is going to, uh, you know, it, unless unless I'm right, and the only other loss coming for the Jayhawks in Big Twelve play is at Texas Tech because they don't come back to Allen Fieldhouse. Um, you know, I, I'm uh, then you can't really afford to lose this one. So, all right, any other final thoughts about this one? No, I think this is a yeah, this is a big stretch. I think I you know, it feels like the winner of the Big Twelve is gonna have at least five losses. So I think a couple more are coming, but you're right. Like this is this is one where I hope listen, we've seen we've seen and I know Bill mentioned this uh in the post game yesterday too, like this group this this Jayhawk group can like really, really get up for teams and and, and like when they want to be great, they can be great. I, he even mentioned it, like it's consistency sometimes. So this is what I want to see. This is the consistency. Now, the good thing is, is that you you get to like, okay, the Oklahoma State game might have been one of those uh, where you're looking ahead to Houston. You, uh, you know, you just got beat. Uh, maybe, you know, you're not playing that well. And they came out and they had an excellent game plan and a great week. And so I'm curious to see what the response is here. Because I know they're going to be tired, obviously. Uh, but, you know, I wonder if, if the, just the confidence and the play and what you're getting out of Johnny Furphy uh, as he just continues to excel and some of the confidence there, like, yeah, this is one of those games where I, you're going to be tired. It's probably, it's going to be hostile. Like, can you get yourself up for this game? Um, and we'll see. And and the road has not been kind, but you know, that this, I imagine that it's been probably beaten into them so much now that they're going to, you know, they're going to know it and it's only, it's going to be because, K-State went 13 to 20 from three and, you know, something else weird happened. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Only, only weird games. Okay. Uh, yeah. Final, just final thought here. I'll, I'll, you know, we, we won't talk again before the weekend and uh, college game day is coming to town uh, for the Kansas Baylor game. It's going to be weird because the game's not scheduled to start until 5 p.m. Um, you know, and, and of course we're going to be there for college game day at like, you know, eight in the morning. So it's going to be a nice fun day for those coming from out of town uh, to Lawrence to go to college game day. Um, so should be a lot of fun though. Uh, I'm fully expecting it to uh, just be another raucous environment. And I am going to absolutely laugh when, when uh, Scott Drew gets savaged at the game on Saturday for getting finally ejected for the first time in his career. So off of it, the stupid, like, man, we could spend another hour talking about the ridiculousness that was the big 12 this weekend. Um, like that was the ultimate. Shaka Smart should never make it through the first half if that's what gets you kicked out of the game. He, he right. should never make right. it through the first half if, if that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. like, well, I mean, no. I mean, you know, I forget who it was that tweeted it today, but they were showing pictures of like Mike Shashevsky, who was like out, like literally standing right, like next to and making contact with the arm of an NC State player. Uh, and he didn't get ejected for that one. Like just showing all of the ridiculous things that have happened and no ejections. Now, granted this year, there is a, there's an emphasis this year, supposedly on making sure the coaches stay in the coaching box, but Scott drew was, I mean, he, 
you know, he did the whole, I have a foot in the coaching box still, even though he like stretched really far. He was trying to get the ref's attention to talk to him. Um, and it wasn't even the ref that he talked to, right? That, that ejected him. It was the one from the baseline that came at the end of the, the, the play and, and ejected him. So again, big 12 refs, we're going to, we're going to get to see some of the ridiculousness that is that again, uh, coming up on Saturday. So, all right. Uh, but that is going to do it for us today. Uh, Kyle, thank, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasters, Apple podcast, Spotify, any of the other million apps that are out there, just search for rock chalk podcast and subscribe, get every episode as soon as it comes out. Give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments. It'd be absolutely fantastic. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast.gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are, of course, part of the 12 Podcast Network covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference. Um, we have shows for basically every team in the conference at this point. So if you go over to 1012network.com, you can find all the links to all the great shows. We also have like a wrestling show. We have a softball uh, focus coming up. So like there's tons of stuff over there for any kind of college sports in the Big 12 that you want to listen to. So, but make sure you can, you, you can support the, uh, any of the podcasts here on the network by going over to Patreon, patreon.com slash 1012 network, just five bucks a month. We'll get you that. Uh, make sure you guys visit our sponsors, uh, Charlie Hustle and Prize Picks. But that's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.